Welcome to Precept to Practice, CE Impact's podcast created specifically for preceptors of pharmacy learners. If you're a regular listener, thank you for joining us again. And if you're a new listener to Precept to Practice, welcome. I hope you enjoy today's conversation, and I do hope you'll check out some of our past episodes. As preceptors, sometimes one of the hardest things we do is give feedback to students. But what about when we receive it? Listen to learn how to engage students in a way that results in meaningful feedback you can use to improve your teaching. You're putting in the work, so why not make it as impactful for you and your learners as possible? This week, I'm speaking with Nick Cox, a faculty member and preceptor in an ambulatory care setting on the topic of feedback, how to invite it, how to prepare to receive it, and what to do when you get it, whether you like it or you don't. Let's listen in. Well, welcome, Nick. I'm so glad to have you here with me today and um, appreciate you taking time to come and talk about, I think, a topic that we can all probably do a little bit better with, especially um, when we're working with our students every day. So I'm anxious to jump into this conversation about using feedback. But before we do that, maybe share a little bit about yourself and you know why this has become a passionate topic for you. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. I'm, and I, th- I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Like, this is exciting. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a topic that I myself struggle with. I think everybody does, but I also struggle with this for sure. I'm definitely, I hesitate to call myself the expert in a room because I'm just somebody who is involved with it, as we all are, and is trying to find my own solutions. So mm-hmm. my name is Nick Cox. I am from the University of Utah. I am a ambulatory care pharmacist. I practice at a primary care clinic, and I do a lot of precepting. I'm also a faculty member at the University of Utah College of Pharmacy, so I constantly, it feels like 365, 24-7, have, you know, uh, usually two APPI students on with me. I also will occasionally have PGY-1 residents. I am, just to kind of round out what I do in the precepting realm, I also am the residency program coordinator for our ambulatory care emphasis PGY-1 program. And I also am a co-director of a a clinical fellowship program here at the University of Utah that involves an ambulatory care pharmacist put in some unique clinics. But anyways, I precept uh, that fellow in a clinical setting one day a week as well. So I say all that to say, I feel like my life is always with learners. Mm -hmm. And certainly, I think every you ask the question of how do I I get excited or interested in this? It's one of those things where you're just dealing with on a day-to-day life. Like you kind of have to get interested in feedback and getting feedback from your learners because it's just your life. You're just with them all the time. And if you're not, like you try to be oblivious to getting feedback, then you just get in a rut and you just think, what am I doing? And anyways, so that's how I become, it wasn't like some intentional thing to get involved in this. It was just, it's the nature of the beast when you're spending so much time with learners, which I do love. I don't mean to I call learners beasts. Like I, I enjoy spending my time <laughs> right. with learners for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I got involved with it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny because often, I mean, most of the time when we talk about feedback in the context of precepting, we're talking about giving feedback to students. And, you know, and that's one of the things that comes up in our course evaluations and needs assessments and everything is, you know, preceptors are always looking for help in giving good feedback. And we tend to forget about the importance of receiving that feedback. And you and I both know that no news doesn't necessarily mean good news. <laughs> yes. So, but it, but it's hard, right? So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, maybe this seems like an obvious question, but why why are we so reticent to you know seek that feedback out? Um, and as preceptors, you know why should we be striving for it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great a great question. I think 
you know, I think everyone is reticent. There can be a lot of factors why we as preceptors are reticent. And I think that's also not like a personality trait. Like you are somebody who's reticent and you are someone who's active. I personally think it's a little bit of a spectrum and it kind of flows with, honestly, it could be the week, it could be the year. Like some, some years we want feedback because we're in a place mentally able to handle it. Other mm -hmm. times where it's a bad year and you know what? We were just barely able to have learners and like, you know, be able to facilitate those experiences. <laughs> Yeah. And like, please, this is not the year, you know, for me to get substantial feedback. So I think uh, a lot of different factors. I think some of the factors could be just bandwidth. You know, when you're burned out, the last thing you want is feedback on how you can improve it, grow it, etc. cetera. Uh, and a little bit of that is like a kind of, how dare you? Like, you know, how dare you give me feedback when I have sacrificed so much? You know, I've sacrificed time with my family, you know. And again, I don't think that's like even a conscious thought we have. Maybe it's like a little bit of subconscious. I'm not trying to villainize anyone. I've had that thought, you know, from mm -hmm. learners. Like, are you kidding me? I've sacrificed so much to have you on rotation. Um, so I think that's one reason why we don't want feedback. I think another reason we have is we can internalize our feedback. It's kind of like, I know when I've been a bad preceptor, I've had a bad block and I'm already sensitive to it. To it. I, I don't want you to tell me. I know, I know that I didn't give you the time you deserved. I know that that orientation week was a disaster. Like, I'd rather not ask. Like, it's kind of like avoiding awkward conversations. <laughs> and so mm -hmm, we just kind of mm -hmm. like breeze past it. Like, please know, I like, I'm already sensitive to what you're going to tell me about. Right. So I think that's a, another reason we're, we're hesitant. And I also think it can, we talked about it can vary. I think it, all, it also vary on the type of learner we have. I think when we have, it shouldn't be the case, but this is the case often, is we have a really high achieving learner. And we want their feedback. Oh, yes, please tell me how we can make this experience better. We had such a great four to six weeks. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's now improve upon this. But when we have a learner who is struggling, we're, it's a little bit of the relationship issue. We don't necessarily trust their feedback. Like, I don't trust you as a learner. So that's, I don't trust you to evaluate me as a preceptor. When it actually is made like maybe the flip scenario. I shouldn't say it's a flip. We need the feedback from high achievers. But we really need the feedback from those ones who struggled because maybe we were part of the cause of them struggling. Like that, that's the voice we need to hear more often than not is maybe there's some sort of you know, discrepancy. Like whenever I have a learner who doesn't match this learning style or whatever, I don't do good to support them. And so I really need to have my ear out for those people. So I think those are some of the reasons why we're reticent. Yeah. Anyway, I, like I said, I think there's a lot of factors. Yeah, no, those are great. Those are great call outs. I mean, my mind immediately went to Look at I'm barely hanging on here. How dare you give me any, you know, anything negative or critical or criticize, you know, criticize what I'm doing here because I'm hanging on by my pinkies. Um, but I hadn't thought about the fact that, you know, the importance of listening to learners who maybe weren't as successful on the rotation. And that's a great point. Super easy when people have a good experience, then it's all love, love, love. But um, you know, when when a student maybe wasn't as successful, you know, having that ear open for what you can do differently for the next learner. And I think that really gets also to the point of why we need to really be proactive in seeking feedback and, and trying to get it for ourselves as preceptors. Because when you have like a learner that struggles, I think some of those learners are some of the least likely to give you feedback. Yeah. Because they, whether it's they're worried about their grade already, they kind of know they didn't perform well by your standards, you know, or, mm -hmm. or whether they just feel like the relationship's been rough and that's contributed, they're the least likely ones to share what went wrong. Now, there are occasionally some, some learners who 
are, are eager to share what you did wrong. Cause like you, you <laughs> butted heads and they're like, Oh baby, you, I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for you to tell me what you can do better. Cause I got a laundry list. And again, those are, that's good too. At least you don't have to go like dig for those things. They'll proactively say it. But I think that's really speaks to what this, my big premise is that we need to be active pursuers of feedback. Because as you said, no news is not good news. Uh, and honestly, no news is like the norm. If you do not pursue feedback as a preceptor, you are going to get such minimal surface feedback. That's all you're ever going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I, I know as uh, being in experiential education for a number of years and reading student evaluations, you know, you, you, you just sort of get blase, you know, kinds of kinds of feedback generally, unless you're really looking for it. So, so going a little bit deeper there, you know, Students and residents, you know, as we've already said, are often hesitant to give direct feedback, certainly face-to-face feedback. They might be a little more brave and honest in their formal evaluations, but they might not. You know, they just, they actually might not. And at that point, they're they're done. They're moving on to their next experience. Um, so how, you know, what strategies or tips do you have for preceptors uh, to use to help students feel comfortable in giving that feedback that you need? Do you have any like specific things that you try to do um, to create an environment where it's where that feels safe or it maybe maybe you have formal touch points? Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think for me, uh, I don't have it figured out, but I have some, I think there's some tips that I've kind of picked up from others or others have shared that they do. And I think there's a little bit of literature in this as well that you can look to. But I think the most important thing is that people are unlikely to give feedback unless asked to give feedback. Mm-hmm. And when I say asked to give feedback, I am not referring to final evals because as you said, that almost like doesn't count. They don't, yeah. Learners would just treat that as a homework assignment that they have to do. It's a checklist. That's not, you know, they don't know how much you appreciate it or, or if you appreciate it at all. Uh, so I would say the number one thing is you have to ask and you cannot just ask once. You have to ask repeatedly. And this is equally important. It's like two-sided coin here. One, you have to be explicit and direct in asking. And two, you have to be sincere because learners can sniff out, I think, you know, my experience, they could sniff out insincere (laughs) requests so easily. Mm -hmm. So if you like sincerely want to learn and you sincerely ask, I think people will give it to you. Now, there are some things that you can do to like better that. So, so for example, we talk about being sincere. You might say like, well, how can I be sincere? I'm either sincere or I'm not. How can I become sincere? Well, I think it's really easy if you look at areas you want to improve. I think too often we are uncreative. Again, I say us, including myself. I've done this. I've asked this question so many times where I say, what can I do better? That is such an uncreative question. Right. I like, I, it's vague. What do I want feedback on? Is it about the orientation? Is it about me? And it puts all the burden on the learner. But, mm-hmm. and, but if I say like, huh, if I like mentally just like think about my experience my, as a preceptor and I think, what do I want feedback on? Do I feel like I'm like, maybe you worry that you're not like, it's kind of like the things you worry about in your quiet moments. That's the stuff you should ask your learners about. Like sometimes when I drive home, I think, I don't know if I'm challenging my learners enough. Maybe I'm making this too easy. Like maybe that's, that's a fear I've had on about mm-hmm. my happy experiences. Or maybe you're someone who drives home and you think I'm probably a jerk. I bet my precept, I bet my learners see me as a jerk. Like I'm probably a jerk preceptor. Okay. Or like, I don't know, whatever those thoughts are, you should just ask explicitly. You should say, Hey, learners. And by the way, this could be day one, week one, whatever. Sometime when you got some moment and I'm all for informal, not foremost. Say, hey, just, you know, something I'm like trying to assess is how challenging I am as a preceptor. 
I would love if that could be just in the back of your brain that I want to know about that. And I'm going to touch base with you like weekly about that. Mm -hmm. And just to hear your thoughts on whether I'm challenging, not challenging his preceptor, or whether this rotation is challenging, not challenging you, or, you know, to go over to the jerk one, like I kind of have a, a, I'm trying to evaluate my own self and how I'm perceived by my learners, whether I'm perceived as an advocate, whether I'm perceived as someone who's clear and upfront, or maybe I'm perceived as somebody who is aggressive and maybe mean. And I'd be totally honest. I want to know what you think. And I recognize that can be hard for you to share. I mean, but like, maybe we can like identify things you see that you're like, huh, that's more in the meme. You know, maybe we'll, we'll give it a ranking of like a one, two or three. Like, I'm just trying, I'm spitballing here. You sure, know, but sure. like, I think if you can like, you'll be sincere because you're choosing areas you actually care about. And you're going to help your learners because you're giving them targeted things that you want information on. Like they're not, they are now primed to look for the things you care about instead of, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've sat through a, you know, the, the midpoint eval and I say, Hey, what are we, what's going well so far? Like, how can I better help you? And they say, well, you know, your orientation was a little, like, it was kind of a crazy first week and that stuff. Like, you know, I hear, I'm like, man, I don't know. Clinic's crazy. That's like, I, there's nothing I can do with that, but you know what? I give them no direct, like, that's not what I really care about. I care about Right. If I'm challenging you, if you're having any experiences, if this relates to your career goals. But if I want to know about that, I should just ask about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, those are those are great. Those are great ideas. And, you know, I think pearls for those of us who, who are trying to create that space. Because, yeah, we and, and you're right about students sniffing out sincerity. Sincerity. Yeah. yeah. Because it's it's clear if you're looking to feed your ego versus you're looking to try to make, you know, a, a substantial improvement or, or enhancement to, to the experience. So, and, you know, and asking, like you said, it's kind of like giving feedback, right? You don't just tell somebody, oh, great job. You, you want to give them something specific. So why would we expect anything different on the, um, you know, on the reverse, we would want to say, this is what I'm really, you know, looking, looking for. Um, I also love the idea of laying that groundwork from day one, um, you know, right alongside of setting expectations for them, it's, you know, you're going to be asking for this and you want them to be prepared to, to give you good input. So those are all great examples. And it just kind of builds along with it. I would say my whole, my like big, you know, philosophy with this is it's going to help you as grow as a professionally, as a preceptor, as an educator, et cetera. And, mm -hmm. and potentially as a, as a pharmacist, just as you like, maybe some of their feedback is clinical in nature. I don't know. So you could just, I think that that in itself is why it's worth doing. However, an awesome side benefit of doing this is your relationship is going to be so much improved with yeah. them because you are showing vulnerability. If you're right. sincere, yeah. And if you like model this enough, it, it's not just one conversation. They're going to say like, oh man, this person really doesn't think they've got it perfected. And you show vulnerability. Like, oh, I'm, I, my last evals students, here's what they said. They said that I like did not give a diverse experience and that like all of our patients were diabetes and this wasn't like a good well-rounded experience and like share like share really harsh things that have been said not to like gain sympathy points but to say this really like i'm actually worried about this this is something not worried maybe it just this time i want to improve it and they're right. like, and they're thinking like oh wow man look at him share his vulnerability and then that models to them to share their vulnerability and if you if you read any book about trust you know the science of trust it's all mm -hmm. about sharing vulnerabilities that's like yeah philosophy number one and trust. So you're going to find that your relationships with your learners is substantially improved by you seeking feedback. Right. 
Right. And a much better learning experience for them and in the long run too. So yeah, that's so true. Undoubtedly, you get feedback that you don't want <laughs> or don't feel that you can use at a given time. So do you, do you have a process for how you sort out or do you have a kind of a, like a mental rubric for how you sort out what you use, what you don't, how you handle that with students? Uh, in a way I do, yes. I'd say there's a couple of things that I do personally, and, and I'll kind of speak like mentally how I approach it, but then also like the, there's a little bit like applicability. And again, I do not pretend to have the system. So if some of the learners of the podcast are like, oh, I've got a better system. I'd love to hear it. So I don't pretend <laughs> to have this perfected. But I would say the first thing I like to do is just like be aware of, there's a term from Stone and Heem. They wrote this great book called Thanks for the Feedback. And they have a lot of like research into feedback. It's a great book if anyone wants to read it. But they talk about, there's usually like these triggers to defeat learning. And when we get feedback that we kind of, it causes us to shut down feedback. And there are three triggers. Uh, they call them C, me, excuse me, C, we, and me triggers. The C is like truth. Like we, we call things untrue. And sometimes we'll like prematurely do that. Like the learner starts to say something and we immediately say like, you know, maybe they say a comment that is 99% true, but then 1% not true. <laughs> we, we, we latch onto that 1% like, uh, 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 that is so not true. That is not what happened. You know, whether we, again, whether we verbalize it or we just think it mm -hmm. or we, we, we call things unbalanced or we, so we do that. We like right. we discredit things based on truth. The we is related to relationship. And we've kind of talked about some of those already, but we will discount their feedback be, like on basis of like, who are you to tell me that? You were such a struggling learner. Are you kidding me? Or after all I've sacrificed, I can't believe you'd say that. Or, you know, and we, we discount it based on that. And then the final one is the me, which is related to like our identity and like our personal. Uh, and that those ones are like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this truth. Yes, I'm aware of it. Yes, I know. I'm sensitive on that issue. Like, I've had 10 other learners tell me that I do this. I know I'm, I'm I know I'm working on it, but I know I still do it. Mm -hmm. And I like, it, it hurts. And so we kind of like we'll block it out. So the first thing, if I can just like mentally be in a space, which by the way, is like a, a practical tip by itself is do not read feedback Fridays at 4 PM. Like <laughs> do, do not read them when you do not have the, or, or, or listen to them when you don't have like the, that's more for the formal evals. Never do that late in the day. Do that when you have time to sit and process and you're going to mind space. Right. Um, but I would also say the same thing. Don't ask for feedback verbally. Don't have these impromptu conversations with learners at times when you're not mentally ready. Right. Like don't do it at 5 p.m. when you've just been wrapping up patience. You're struggling. It's been a hard day. And be like, hey, everybody, before we leave, I remember I talked to you about that. Tell me what I can do better. Because First off, I don't think they're mentally prepared for this. Like they don't have the mental energy, but also I don't know if you're mentally prepared to do this. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing that you do, again, if you schedule it if you need to, but you're on your breaks, when everyone's in good spirits, you have the emotional ability to do it. So anyways, be aware of your mental triggers that can defeat mm -hmm. this feedback. And then, so you asked about how I filter it. I just write everything down. And I know that seems simple. I don't go into like big detail. I write it down. And I am someone who does not make quick changes to my rotations. Just my brain, I com I compartmentalize. So mm -hmm. I am one who's like, all right, I wrote this down. I appreciate feedback. Okay, like, and I tell them I'm going to work on it. And then like two times a year, I kind of have some natural my practice flow, my year flow, where I kind of have a little bit of pause from learners. I'll go back and I'll read those, and then I can look for themes. 
I can look for one-offs that I can maybe discard, you know, that are, it was just, there wasn't any thematic elements. And let's be honest, I don't have the bandwidth to like, nobody's asking me to do a rehaul, like a revamp of my entire rotation. Right. It's all about minor tweaks. And so I look at that feedback and I'm like, okay. And at this point I've had time to like be calm and not react in the moment. I've had like, yeah, like my emotions are removed from it. And I can just look at it like in a, like a data set, like, okay, yeah, look, I had five people talk to me about this. Yeah, this is probably, this is probably the thing I should focus on this. And I don't try to do too much. It's like, I'm going to work on this, yeah. this block. And then the same thing, I'll do that again in the summer when I have a little bit of a break from learners. And I can say, all right, what am I going to do differently this time? Let's look at the feedback. And, oh, mm -hmm. a lot of people seem to like this. They didn't like this. And, and most of the time, my feedback questions that I ask learners, remember I talked about asking targeted, like, is this challenging? Am I a jerk? Right. A lot of mine is always about past feedback. Like, hey, here's what's the past feedback. Here's what I've done to change it. I'm really curious if you think this made a difference. So mm -hmm. I always include those. And so I look at that feedback to say, oh, yeah, they – they like the changes I made. They didn't like the changes I made. Well, I put a lot of effort into that change. That didn't seem to be worth it. Let's stop that. So that's how I do it is just writing it down. And then mm -hmm. at set intervals, I evaluate it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, really just a pretty much a traditional approach to continuous quality improvement. And, you know, and I, I think you're totally on, on track to not react to every piece of feedback you get in the moment, but to think about it in, in terms of themes and over, over a period of time. So yeah, and who best to ask but the students to say if you've made an impact. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you, you bring up a good point, Kathy. The truth is there is just bad feedback, meaning it's not accurate. Like there's right. nothing wrong with calling a spade a spade and saying, uh, no, I just disagree wholeheartedly with your feedback, not because it's related to our relationship, not because I can't handle the truth, but because that's false. Yeah. You said that I don't communicate this, but I, I very clearly have communicated this. Like, so that like, I can just still, the cl classic example, I think, is I was reading an evaluation on, this one is related to teaching. And a student just went, they were railing on me hard about my poor teaching. And they were like, they were talking about my slide decks. They were talking about my lack of conclusions. They were talking about, they, <laughs> I mean, they, were, they were hitting me hard. And I was like reading this, like, oh my gosh, I, whoa, this is, I've struggled. And then at the very end, they started dropping hints like, they were dropping comments like, and also when you lectured, like your lecture on um, like amoxicillin made no sense. I thought, wait a minute, I didn't teach about amoxicillin. And then a little <laughs> bit later, and then a little bit later they said, and also your UTI lecture. And I thought, this isn't even meant for me. This is not, <laughs> now that is totally inaccurate, like inaccurate feedback. Right. So, my, so right. to your point, Kathy, you do not need to do everything they say, not just because you don't have the bandwidth, but because you don't have to agree with everything the learner said and change. That's a whole part of this, right? Is you need to filter the good from the bad, be aware of your biases, your triggers mm -hmm. and, and say, is that what's influencing this? Or am I looking this, at this clearly and then make the decisions? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yep. Yep. That's That's awesome. And I do have a copy of that book and we'll make sure we put it in the show notes, but it, that's a great resource. And we actually created a a student course some years back on on receiving and using feedback from preceptors too, using sort of that as the as the basis. So yeah, I love this topic. Um, well, at, to just kind of wrap things up, what would you say, you know, for the for the preceptor who really needs to take a baby step into dipping their toe in the water in you know and being more proactive in this space? What's a a tip or two that you would give them? I would say. Uh, just to dip your toe, if you're just going to start, I would say, go write down some questions that you actually want your learners to answer. 
And it doesn't have to be many. It could be one. Mm-hmm. It could be five. But just write down real questions that you care to get feedback on. And think how you want to word them. You know, and there's there's a lot of different strategies for how you write those questions. We could talk, I mean, we could talk for much longer on this topic of like, what are good questions to ask? What are bad questions to ask? But just write some things you want to know. You know, maybe you write it in a creative ways. Like, you know, there's like the start, stop, continue. But yeah. you could do start, stop, continue on, uh, on a specific topic. Like, hey, as it relates to me having a challenging rotation, if that's what I want feedback on, what can I start doing? What can I stop doing? And what can I continue doing? So again, it's start, stop, continue. But usually we just use that in vague terms. We say, hey, in my rotation in general, what should I start, stop, continue? But you could apply that principle to the thing you want to know about. Again, that's just an, one example of many ways you can do it. But write those questions down and then give it to your learners early on in your rotation. And whether you check in every Friday, whether you, you know, constantly remind them about it, you know, at the, if you really want to dip your toe, just do it during the midpoint and say, hey, midpoint eval, here's the things I'm going to ask about in the final. Can you be thinking about these? Um, and I would say that's a great starting point to just dip your toe in the waters. Yeah, that's a perfect strategy. I like that a lot. They've got enough experience under their belt at the midpoint, you know, and they they have a working relationship with you. And then, you know, they have some context in which they can start thinking about what those what those questions are. So yeah, great advice. Well, this has been so fun. Um, any, I mean, any last parting, like words of advice or nuggets of no. wisdom or <laughs> no? No, no, Kevin, I, I, I really appreciate being here. I would just say we're all in the same boat. I mean, this yeah. is, this is everybody struggling with this. How many of us, I'm sure all of us have been in those feedback scenarios where it's just, you know, what can I do better? I don't right. know, nothing. You know, it's a, yeah, like it's we're great. all in this together. We're all figuring this out. Uh, and there's no right way to do it. Nick Cox's strategy is going to be different than Kathy's strategy. And that's, that's healthy and appropriate. But find a way for you to proactively seek it because it is not going to just arrive in your lap. It, you have to go have a way that you are digging for feedback. You got to get your hands dirty because this stuff just doesn't come on its own. So that's probably my last bit of wisdom. Right. No news is not good news, right? Yeah. Well said. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks again to Dr. Nick Cox for having this super fun and engaging conversation with me on this topic. While he makes it sound easy, we all know that we will likely have some trepidation about asking for feedback from our learners. But I'm reminded that building a trusting relationship is so important to our success in this area, as well as just about every other aspect of our teaching. As part of our discussion, Nick refers to this book, Thanks for the Feedback, The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well. I've read this book and even coached students on some of it, and there's really something in it for everyone, from a teacher, mentor, preceptor, parent, partner or spouse. So be sure to check out the link in the show notes. And on that note, be sure to take a look at the full course also linked in the show notes that Nick created for us on this topic. Today was a great conversation about how to dip our toe in the water, but his full course using feedback to improve your precepting will help you take a deeper dive into strategies that will truly have you thanking your students for the feedback. As always, be sure to check out the full library of courses available for preceptors on the CEE Impact website. Ask your experiential program director if you are a member so that you can access it all for free. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you next time on Precept to Practice.